0: So, you should get recording started. All right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we sing blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So, Quran kept class on Surah An-Nisa, something I've avoided for a long time just because it would raise all types of, of rebellion and violence and such. But it's time for us to, to dive deep. And so, so uh those of you for whom you already know my style uh we're gonna go all in and engage with all of these different questions that come up for example uh later on this week we will reach ayah 3 which is the famous polygamy ayah right and so we're gonna uh explore anything and everything inshallah uh as as we go through Uh, To begin, however, uh, recapping a couple things and a small amount of repetition for those of you who were just in the the class an hour ago. One point to think about is that most of the Quran is not prescribing behavior, yet much of this surah is prescribing behavior. If we go through surah two, only a small handful of commands out of nearly 300 ayahs. If you go through surah three, even a smaller number of commands out of 200 ayahs this surah however has numerous commands numerous uh recommendations on action and as is relevant we will explore them but the bigger point being that much of the Quran is focused prior to action on thinking and so so to give you a map uh this is all coming straight from the hadith of Jibril and usually when we teach the hadith of Jibril we only teach half of it on the interpretation side but first to give you a simple recap of the hadith of jibril if you go through imam nawawi's 40 hadith this is usually hadith number two and that's something you can google on yourself but the short version of the story is that the companions were sitting with the prophet peace be upon him and one day this man enters and they don't recognize him which means he's a traveler but he has no marks of traveling he's his clothes are spotlessly white, his hair is jet black, and so they're already perplexed, like, who is he? And then he walks through the whole crowd. He sits in front of the Prophet, peace be upon him, so close that it's as though their knees are touching. And then he starts asking the Prophet, peace be upon him, a series of questions. He asks, what is Islam? And the Prophet answers that. And then the man says, you are correct. And then we get confused. He's the one who asked the question to the Prophet, and then he's saying, you're, you're correct. What is Iman? The prophet answers, you're correct. What is Ihsan? You're correct. And then tell me about the hour, meaning the day of judgment. And the prophet, peace be upon him, says, I don't know any better than you do. The questioned doesn't know any better than the questioner. And so he says, tell me signs that it is approaching. So the prophet has a couple of his very famous prophecies that the barefoot naked shepherds will compete with each other to make tall buildings, meaning Dubai. And then another, he didn't say Dubai, but then... uh, that the, the woman will give birth to her master or her to her mistress, which is basically American, American kids, you know, the bosses over all of us. Anyway, so so then the, the man gets up and leaves, and then the prophet asks Omar, do you know who that was? And he says, I don't know, meaning uh, he says, Allah and the prophet know better. And he says, that was Jibril. That was the angel Gabriel. He came to teach you your religion. That's the high-speed version of the story. In that, we have six plus two elements of the religious experience and so when we're speaking of islam iman ihsan and then about the hour we had answer one
1: professor can you share your screen
0: oh snap thank you for reminding me thank you Uh, can you see the screen with uh here actually let me just make it full size can you see the screen now yes okay so our answer one our answer two and then essentially there's a third part to all this and so three and three so when we're speaking of islam iman ihsan these are the parts of the self This is Islam is the realm of the body, Iman is the realm of the mind, Ihsan is the realm of the heart. In terms of Islamic sciences, the realm of Islam, the realm of the body, is Islamic law. In terms of the Islamic sciences, Iman, the realm of the mind, is the realm of theology. In terms of Ihsan, the heart, That's the realm of Islamic spirituality the way the Sufis. And then we have the woman giving birth to her master relationships. And then we have the barefoot naked shepherds competing with each other to make tall buildings. We have society. But then overall, the hour this is why I'm sort of putting it a little bit different, is about the end of the world. So think of these as the major components of a person or of the human experience. It's a little bit easier if I reverse the first three. So if we do heart, mind, body, relations, Society, world. This we're going to see a lot of over the course of this surah. These different parts being uh, addressed. To put this further, the heart is the realm of your yearnings, which we would call your irada. All right, it's a word in Arabic. It's also in Urdu and such. Your yearnings. The mind is the realm of your intentions, your niya. The body is the realm of your action, your amal. The relations is the realm of your character. That's where you illustrate your your character, right? In how you conduct your relationships, which includes your manners. So. And then society gets into, and I'm using simple language for now, gets into institutions. And the world, the whole world, there isn't really a word for this. We're just going to call it the global system. So. And I'm writing these at different levels just for space, and not for any other uh, particular reason, right? So these are the different parts of the human experience. So. Transformation usually happens starting with the body first. This is why you have Islam, Iman, Ihsan. And the basic point being is that if your body is out of control, you're not gonna be able to do anything else. And so a very common question that I ask students when they're in my office, depending upon whatever issues they're facing, anxiety, depression, loneliness, whatever spiritual spiritual uh, antipathy, Uh One of the first questions is, what is your sleeping like? What's your diet like? What's your prayers like? With the fundamental implicit question being, what's the stability level of your life? Once that is stable, then you can get into getting the thinking straightened. And then when you get the thinking straightened, then you're in the realm where you can focus on the heart. And then the theory is that then that affects everything else. With the right three, it's a little bit harder to answer. Uh, In terms of how to cause change to happen, how to cause reform to happen. But we'll be touching on each of these uh, as is relevant from eye to eye. But this is a map that I want you to think about. If you think of them as concentric circles, at the center, you have the heart, and then the mind, then the body, then relations and society, and then world. So everything that happens in the world affects everything that comes before it so think of the world as a global capitalist system Right, i'm not preaching socialism or communism or anything but it affects the organization of the institution our societies which then affect our relationships and for example in the previous class i mentioned this as fundamentally altering all of our relationships but this is the product of business right as-salamu alaykum wa oh, Check out the hero who has joined us, mashallah. Okay. Um, and so then that affects society, which affects relations, which then affects our habits, which then affects our thinking, which then affects our heart. Okay. And so all of these circles affect what comes below and to some degree what is above them. All right. Next big point, um, completely different, about the naming of the surahs. The primary function of the names of the surahs is identification. In our contemporary culture, when we think of the names of su- of, of things, we think it's a summary, right? So Creed 3, okay, it's a sequel about such and such. Okay, yeah. So Surat An-Nisa called the women... Does not necessarily mean it has anything to do with women. Of course, if you know the content, yeah, a lot of it actually has to do with women. But so to a lot of the other surahs. But when we say Surah 4, Surah Nisa, you know which surah I'm speaking about. Just like Surah Al Baqarah, the cow, uh, could be referring to one specific portion of a story that's about five ayahs long, about a quarter of the way in, or not. But that became the identifying of the element of of uh, the surah. So when you say al-baqarah, you know what I'm talking about. In the same way, a person's name may or may not tell you much about the person. So if you see my name, you might assume that I'm a man. Is it going to tell you anything about my personality? Probably not. Maybe. Is it going to tell you something about my ethnicity? Well, it might give you a hint of a range of ethnicities that I'm from. Uh, May or may not tell you about anything about my religion or religiosity and such. Such is the case with the names of the surahs. Primarily, it is identification. So I'm cautioning you against thinking of the whole surah through the lens of women. But I'm also telling you not to not do it either. So basically, I'm saying don't make it a conclusion. Use it as a tool as a hypothesis but imagine the surah has a completely different name as well okay so that has to do with the names in terms of the histories of the surahs you're probably familiar with uh, the idea that there are surahs that are named as Medina surahs and Mecca surahs and what this essentially means is that if you know the biography of the prophet, peace be upon him, he's in he's preaching in Mecca for 13 years, goes on the migration, the Hijra, goes into exile into what becomes Medina, where he is for another decade. Everything before the migration is considered to be Mecca, Meccan. Everything after the migration is considered to be Medinan. And most of this surah is Medinan. And Medinan surahs tend to focus a lot more on action. Meccan surahs tend to focus a lot more on faith. And again, for some of you, this might be Quran 101, but I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So in the same way I mentioned a moment ago, much of this surah is focused on action. And even then, when we're looking at these passages, we're first going to look at what is it? What is the ontology of the Aya? What is the universe of the Aya? What is the conceptual picture that the ayah is giving us? This will make more sense as we go through it, as well as, okay, what is the Aya telling us to do? Uh, the first Aya alone will probably take us more than one session uh, because this is a big ayah. A lot of these Aya's tend to be pretty big, pretty fat, which means that they'll give us a lot of material to, um, through which to uh, explore. And then other small things. This is one of the longest surahs of the Quran uh, in terms of content, as you're probably aware that the surahs, you have al Fatiha, which is pretty small, then you have big al-Baqarah, and then they steadily start to shrink more or less until you get to the little tiny ayahs. Uh, The ordering of the surahs comes from the Prophet, peace be upon him, as instructed to him by the angel Gabriel. As well as the construction of the surahs in Muslim belief, comes from the prophet peace be upon him by instruction by the angel gabriel angel jibril with the basic point being that there is a wisdom in the order some of which we're going to tap into and not today maybe in a couple classes i'll give you a loose outline at least a part of the surah itself Uh, but first i want us to dive in to the surah so this is more just like the 101 type stuff uh in terms of just concepts to think about in the back of our minds as we're going through. Does anyone have any in, in, initial questions about any of this? Gabriel?
2: Could you reiterate the uh, the first person, the Islamic man, sent, um, in those two contexts?
0: So basically, this is all coming from the Hadith of Jibril, which I can pull that up really fast for all of you to see. If you go, for example, to sunnah.com and do Noe's 40 Hadith, it's usually the second Hadith. So right here on the authority of umar and then this goes through the whole narration uh, which is often nicknamed the mother of hadith Ummul hadith and also nicknamed the hadith of jibreel and if you break down all the parts we have islam iman ihsan and questions about the hour or questions i mentioned there's it's six plus two i'll get into the plus two in a second Uh, and so islam is the realm of action so let me add this uh, just to help make it a little bit easier. Wait, I did down here. Yeah, never mind. So, so Islam is the realm of the body. Iman is the realm of the mind. Ihsan is the realm of the heart. When I put it in this order, reverse order, it makes a lot more sense with the rest of it. The order that's given is sort of the order of transformation. Okay. But if we redraw this as concentric circles, the center circle is is the heart, is Ihsan. Then the circle around it is the mind, which is the Iman. The circle around that is the body, which is Islam. The circle around that is your relationships, and around that is society, and around that is the world. And the outer circles influence everything that's in uh, within. Is that what you're asking for, or any further questions, inshallah? It's good. Thanks. Okay, Any other questions about anything at all? Alex, were you raising your hand or just stretching? Okay. Yeah.
1: There's a okay. question in
0: the chat. Uh-oh. Oh, snap. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Then you become. Okay, let's see. Who named the surahs? The... In most cases, the naming of the surahs is reported to come from the prophet himself. Peace be upon him. In terms of that first generation, uh, either the prophet gave a name to the surahs, but that would usually be when the surahs have been mostly complete the sahaba would often the companions would often know the surahs by the first few ayahs so if you ask a little Daisy kid can you recite to me surah al-ikhlas they'll be like what are you talking about right unless they you know like to sunday school but if you say recite to me ahad, bam right and so likewise for the companions they often knew the surahs more by the first couple of ayahs But the names in most cases are believed to come also from the Prophet himself, peace be upon him. But if you look through the oldest copies of the Quran, you're not going to see it there. This is part of the transmitted living tradition. In the same way, you're not going to find a book from the first generation teaching you how to recite the Quran. You're taught how to recite the Quran by someone who is taught by someone who is taught by someone who is taught going back to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Likewise, for the names of the surahs. Likewise for how to pray, right? There's no manual on how to pray. There are hadith that list how to pray, but even if you wanted all the hadith, you're going to have to go through about 100 hadith. But how did you learn how to pray? From someone who learned from someone who learned from someone who learned from someone. So part of the living tradition is where you actually find the names of the surahs, as opposed in the primary, oldest editions of the Quran. Any other questions about any of this?
3: I have a question, Nadia. I don't know if this is off-topic. You can yeah, tell me. And I think I think I heard you say when we talk about heart, mind, body, that transformation begins with the body, meaning actions, and then goes to mind and heart. Yeah. Is that the way it's always supposed to be? Because you know, sometimes when people convert, they'll say, you know, don't focus so much on mm. keeping all thirty fasts or learning how to pray correctly like let them understand the heart of the matter Mm. Mm -hmm. so is that something that you just said during class or that is that just like a general rule
0: so think of it as a general rule not an exclusive rule and even in the context of a convert there the instruction would be don't change anything for which almost zero converts in the history of conversion have ever listened to me but the basic point (laughs) being that uh the convert often wants to do everything Okay. And there, the actual instruction of action is don't change anything right now. So it's actually keep yourself the same. That's the action that they need to do. Hey, Ahant, what do you think about this?
4: Very true. Z- zero Converse have listened to you in the history of
0: Converse. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so generally, the general rule for transformation uh, is emphasis on the body and then the mind, the heart. But it's actually going to be all three, you know, uh, some amount of teaching, which is the realm of the mind, some amount of focusing on, on somebody's under uh, yearnings, uh, but the big shift is to make sure the body is stable. If the body is not stable, you're not going to be able to really do much with the mind or the heart. Okay. Make sense? Any other questions about anything at all related or not related? Okay. All righty, so. Let's jump now into the Sura itself. And uh, because the subject matter is going to be uh, hitting home in many different ways, uh, number one, consider this to be a safe space for you to explore your ideas. Which means you should feel comfortable in... Uh, expressing disagreement even with me or challenging me Uh, because we're going to be talking about things that uh, are very often hot topics in in our community just because that's what's going to come up in in this surah so all of you should feel completely comfortable in exploring my lights always turn off and exploring as well as uh, addressing your thoughts and all this and those of you who are taking my classes you sure already know you're already comfortable uh, you sure already know' be comfortable I'll be still spewing my my nonsense but um and you know my, my joy at saying the most inappropriate thing at the most inappropriate time possible but for all the rest of you feel free to uh engage all of your comments will be taken uh seriously I mean, I'm taking Gabriel's comments seriously I mean so that's like big proof right there okay having said that let us jump into the first ayah so you all see it on screen, right? You see my notes and, and the ayah itself. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, الناس, so, oh humanity, uh, here one translation says men, another translation says men, another translation says mankind. Nas, we'll talk about it. Have taqwa uh, with your Rabb. He's the one who created you. From one soul, minha, and from her, literally, but from it, zojahah, from created from it, its mate, wabatha and spread from those two, kathiran So many men and women, what the law and have taqwa of Allah, He is the one to whom you ask uh, about the wombs the Allah Kana alaykum And Allah is over you, watchful. So simple translation, O humanity, O mankind, O people, have taqwa of your Rabb. And we'll talk about that word. He's the one who created you from one soul. And for one soul, create its mate. And then spread from them throughout the world, all kinds of men and women. And then have taqwa. And look at the obligations you have to the wombs that bore you. And know that Allah is swift to, or as Allah is watching carefully over you. All right. So already right from the start, first point to consider with every ayah, when possible, is somebody being addressed? And if that person is being addressed, whom is it? So whom is being addressed here? In the first class, we said that the primary audience is the prophet, peace be upon him, and then his generation, everyone else. And this ayah, on its own, who's being addressed? Easy question. Anyone? You're welcome to speak. The people. Yeah, it's all humanity. And so sometimes it'll say, oh, you who believe. Sometimes it'll be, oh, people of the book. Sometimes it'll be, oh, children of Israel. Here it's all humanity. And the first thing that's being said is have taqwa. So an instruction is coming right from the start. Taqwa, as you can see here, is in some cases translated as fear. Have fear of your Lord. Better is to be on guard we speak of fasting as the month of taqwa. it's not a month of fear it's a, it's a month of being on guard fasting is literally walking taqwa. because what are you doing when you're fasting you're always conscious of the fact that you're fasting and then if you forget then you realize you know you're almost shaken back like if i'm drinking you know some water and then i remember oh i'm fasting this is literal taqwa, to be in a state of on guard. What does that mean then in action? It means you're always being mindful, mindful of Allah. Boom. Why the translation of fear? This is more of a modern thing, but you do find uh, historical roots to it. Because uh, if you're on guard, you're kind of on watch. The word for taqwa comes from the same word that shield comes from. So you will often hear me translate this as shield yourself with Allah. But then, so we said a lot of this is about the universe or the ontology of each of these ayahs. So when we're speaking of taqwa from the consciousness of shielding yourself, we're also making a statement about the nature of the world. What is that? I want you
3: to go further from Tukwa. what does that mean the world
0: no no no, i'm just writing but what is uh what were you what what do you mean that uh to go further from tuckwell what does that mean
3: Like the world is pulls you away from god
0: okay so here we're saying essentially the same point you're making the world is designed to hit you that part of the design of this world is you'll be hit and hit like arrows so think, for example, of whenever the last time was in your life where you were hit with a small or big struggle. I'm thinking of a moment literally this afternoon where I got this email from someone who always has something up their sleeve of something they want to do that's going to create a big headache in 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 my world, right? None of you, it was not related to this class or anything. Uh, no, but the point is that part of the design of this world is you're going to keep having arrows thrown at you. And so the prescription as a prevention in advance is to have taqwa. And it's related to Sabrina's point that these arrows will also try to lead you away. So that's the first instruction of the entire surah. And this continues the point that I'm suggesting that as we go through this surah, as people in the contemporary era, with the content that we're going to go through, uh, you're going to find yourself getting tested. Most of you have probably already, in some capacity, read through some or all of this surah before, and so a lot of these topics will be familiar, and they might uh, open up some some sensitive spots. So one of the things to try to embody is to have taqwa which is essentially what. If we're being on guard with Allah, what does it mean deeper than that? You're having confidence that Allah is going to take care of you. Okay, you're having confidence that, however chaotic life is going to be or life may be for some of you right now you're going to be okay life goes on so the second surah begins exactly not different words almost exactly the same way that this book is guidance for those who have taqwa and the third surah ends this way so if we go to the end of surah three oh here it is so the very end of the previous surah Oh, you who believe so it's addressed just the believers oh you believe amenu have sabr persevere and be the people of perseverance and be ready and have taqwa. okay the context of this ayah right here the last ayah is in between battles they've already gone through one battle and they're just being told Okay, be ready who knows when something else is going to come up okay so be vigilant be on guard so this is a theme that recurs throughout the entire quran okay.
4: so yeah so uh, going to this um ayah, so that says oh you believe right yeah and and that's oh mankind so there's a difference there so that's that's being addressed to everyone and, and 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 we cannot see that in that context of hadith because hadith says Islam, Iman, Ihsan. Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't apply here because it is for everyone, whether who is in the in that category or not.
0: Okay, so hold on to that question a bit, because mm-hmm. we're going to visit an ayah later on that's in Surah Five, which is what Taqwa is. Taqwa is essentially the tool to which which to go from Islam to Iman, Ihsan. But the short version of what does it mean to go from Islam, Iman, to Ihsan, you're getting closer and tighter in your faith. So imagine taqwa is holding a jacket around yourself to protect you from everything that can hit you. And as you make it tighter to protect you stronger, that's the equivalent of going from Islam to Iman, to Ihsan. Makes sense?
4: But, uh, but a person who doesn't believe on these things, right? Because it's, it's talking here like, oh, mankind. Okay. So... So how that person understands that?
0: Oh, okay, okay, got it. I see what you're saying. You're asking more about that side. Here, what is the the instruction then? It's telling all oh, mankind, you got to start believing. Okay. Right. That in the previous, it's all you who believe, have sabr, be the people of sabr, be ready, and have taqwa. Here, effectively, what's being told is you have to start believing.
4: So taqwa means you have to first understand what is belief, or
0: yeah, to to make this point further. Um, can you all st- uh, still see my one note on the screen as I go between these screens? Uh, it's important that you ask this question so uh, that I can uh, explain further. Think of Iman, that which we speak of as your faith. Think of it as a precious jewel. taqwa okay. Takwa is the safety deposit box that you keep the jewel protected in. So taqwa is protecting your faith by keeping it shielded. So when you're actually shielding yourself with the consciousness of God, so if I'm fasting and I'm avoiding eating and I'm remaining conscious of the fact that I'm eating, that I'm not supposed to be eating, what am I actually protecting? I'm actually protecting my faith. Because my body is not going to be suffering uh, by me eating. My body's going to be benefiting. Make sense? And so the call to taqwa for everybody is not merely a call to belief. It's a call not only to have belief, but to even protect your belief. It's a two layer call. Boom. Any other questions? And by the way, if some of this starts seeing some conceptual and abstract, feel free to interject and ask for more explanation you know, if anything doesn't make sense. Okay, so far, so good. Any, uh, Kibria?
2: I think it, like, it also goes back to you're kind of protecting your most valuable asset, which, which is your, not just your faith, but this relationship that you have it goes back to the relationship conversation, right? Um, your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think, like, you're, the way, you know, when you're protecting your iman, you're protecting that element of that connection, that mm-hmm. that love um, and, um because anything that the world will hit you in ways that if you're not protecting that that's where it gets disrupted
4: Mm
0: -hmm. what would be the word that you would use for your relationship with with god your relationship with allah
2: um i look at it as a mentor like like i i I like why not just iman? um it's it's hard to correlate like you know maybe from a context point of view but like i look at as like friend and, and would be a, you know someone like mentorship is really uh correlates with me a lot more
0: okay fair enough I would still uh suggest consider thinking of Iman as the measurement of the strength of your relationship with God
2: Explore it. Trouble. okay all
0: right okay <clears throat> any other questions about all this so far so we'll do a little bit more uh uh I forgot to mention usually these classes the target is for them to go about 30 minutes or so so but they're blocking out an hour for people who have questions and such. Now, let's make this for more fun. He created you from a single soul, and from it created its mate. Uh, are you? Are any of you not thinking of Adam and Eve? Is this necessarily Adam and Eve? I'm not. What are you thinking of, Sabrina? Mahmoud. He <laughs> <laughs> please explain for everyone who is Mahmoud.
3: My husband.
0: Okay. She's saying that with a smile, right? I You're saying that with a smile. Yes. Okay, of good. Course. There is the notion, uh there is an interpretation of these passages that you are created from your soulmate. So, and, and thus, your soulmate in you, in some pre eternal state, we're all one. Good. And so, so this is this makes Sabrina's heart race with joy, right? When she thinks about this ayah. Okay. Any other thoughts? Anyone else think of anything else other than Adam and Eve? But Sabrina, we're about to say something else.
3: No, I'm good. Thank
4: you. What are we uh, supposed to be thinking of?
0: I mean, uh-huh. the- uh, What we're supposed to be thinking is just the concept itself that we were all created from one and from one that mate i had a teacher he was an arabic teacher some of you are gonna laugh he said this is mitosis right. those of you who know what mitosis is hey danya please explain for everyone what is mitosis actually this might be meiosis not mitosis but uh yeah meiosis please explain to everybody what is meiosis
1: um just like the basic biology of reproduction Like the taking of one cell and um, the meeting of another and then breaking that down into Mm -hmm. progeny. mm -hmm.
0: So this is the first point to consider. uh, What specifically is being spoken about is not emphasized as important in this ayah. What then is being emphasized in this first sentence? That all of us have a common origin could be adam could be adam and eve it could be sabrine and mahmoud but the basic point being that what's more being emphasized is the common origin as opposed to what the origin is next question especially in our era of gender versus sex gender gender dysphoria and such Can we interpret anything in this passage uh, about that topic? Yes or no and why? Meaning, can I read this ayah or this first sentence of this ayah to say that there's only two genders? What do you all think?
4: Can you restate uh, uh, the overall question? uh, The question?
0: So the question is basically that, all right, in our contemporary era, we have uh, a lot of conversations about gender. One, in terms of the context of gender fluidity, that, you know, a person may be not just one gender. And then on top of that, in the context of gender dysphoria, a person might be switching genders to what they actually are. And that your gender may not match your biological sex. Which taking it to its further conclusion, the argument is that it's not just binary. Does this Aya negate that?
1: From the context that I'm reading, it sounds like two.
0: Okay.
1: Because it says nafsin, which is one. Okay. Lach-ed-a-tin, which literally means one. Okay. Um wa So and it's mate. So okay. mate referring to two. Okay. مِنْهُمَّا even using Homa indicates two, because okay. if it was multiple, it would be minhom, which mm-hmm. would be more three or more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like my interpretation of this is two.
4: Okay.
1: Now that conversation on identity though i feel like is kind of separate
0: okay because that that talks
1: about i think that's more of a discussion of choice and freedom of choice versus but besides that without without even taking into identity or gender dysphoria or anything yeah uh, biologically just chromosomally there are 36 different genders
0: okay this is beyond my knowledge i mean
1: yeah, uh, but the way that is reading it, yeah, it does seem like this is negating that.
0: Okay, and your thoughts? What if we read this as not negating? Does that work? So uh, we created you from one soul and from, from it created its mate or from her created her mate, her partner, and then spread from those two men and women
3: I guess the many part keep going like it doesn't specify it was many women and men it just says many women and men okay I don't I could see where it could doesn't negate it just from that part where it says many women and men
0: okay if it said many women and men only
3: then it would negate it
0: mm-hmm And so this is a point to consider. This ayah is often used as a proof that there's only two genders. But in the history of Islam, in terms of the rows of prayer, uh, how is it organized? You'd have men starting from the front row, I'm just talking about basic straight-up tradition, women starting from the back row, and whom would you often, who would you often have in the middle?
2: You Kids and um
0: and who else?
2: Uh how do you say it?
0: Hermaphrodites. Yes. Brilliant. Those were biologically men uh, and women. Socially in Islamic the tradition, Islamic historical tradition, now it's been a it's been literally twenty years since I've studied this. Uh often people were prescribed to choose being one or the other socially. But it is a biological reality a physiological reality that yeah most might be men or women but there will be people that will be neither or both right so the point i'm saying for your consideration is that this ayah is definitely saying you know from one soul common ancestry and its mate spread men and women throughout the world but not only we might interpret this to mean that the vast majority are men and women any thoughts i have a question go for it sabrine
3: so are you telling me right now that this Aya would be so if mira right now came and told me i want to be a boy this Aya will say that it's okay
0: no i'd say that's a completely different topic so uh, I- if if mira came along and please explain to everyone who is mira my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. In case people can figure it out. How old is Mira now? Masha, was she like three now? Four? Four. mashallah Wow. Okay. So, if Mira comes along and says, "I have a classmate who is physically both boy or girl," this ayah is not negating that.
3: Okay, but that's that goes back to the biology, yeah, aspect of it, not what our society is of like the.
0: Yeah, I'm saying that that's a different topic, just like what uh, Dani was mentioning. Okay. But I'm saying that this eye is often used as proof that all that stuff is wrong. I'm saying this eye is not related to that.
3: Mm. Oh, sense. okay. Yeah. Youssef. I think to echo,
1: so
0: sorry. sorry. Oh, uh, Yusuf yeah. and then w-
3: Would it possible to be, you know, because the soul is not just humans, but also animals. Mm-hmm. So, would that apply there?
0: That's a wonderful question. There is debate, I think, more on the minority side of whether or not animals have souls. Uh, There's also interesting uh, writings of animals complaining to Allah on the day of judgment about how humans treated them. The majority opinion seems to be that only humans, maybe jinns, have souls, that animals may not necessarily have souls. How would we prove that? That I don't know. Even then, there's a hierarchy. There's, uh, there's, uh, among non-human beings, you have those that have no eyes. So think of like plants and then think of animals that may not have discernible eyes like crustaceans. And then you have those that have uh, noticeable eyes and then you have humans and such, but it seems as though the common opinion is that they do not have souls. They obviously have animation in life. Yusuf, what do you think? Uh,
3: it's very interesting. I, I thought they did have a soul, but
0: um, Allah knows best. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry.
3: Uh, does it? I mean, it's if uh, I'm just thinking of because this ayah can apply to uh, you know all of Allah's ta'ala's creations. So, and out of his creations, it may mm-hmm. not be specifically for humans. whether oh, it's Angels cool. or yeah, jinn uh, or animals and so on and forth. Or you know, there may be other creations beyond our knowledge that mm-hmm. we may not have discovered yet
0: so are there creations beyond our knowledge most likely other than you know angels humans and jinns uh that uh it's almost a definite yes and there might be even things even beyond that but perhaps i mean neil for uh makes the, the good point that you, can, um, you can't really imagine animals going to hell right you know um so animals in terms of their behavior they're more like god's robots not unlike well angels are god's robots but hold on to that as a thesis and test it as you go through the text, either through the course of the class or on your own, to see uh, if that works.
1: Inshallah, Inshallah, thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Inshallah. And then someone else, uh, Sarah needs to know if cats go to heaven. Inshallah, your cat will go to heaven. Yeah,
4: uh, Ahant. Um, we, uh, ju- just a follow-up question. Uh, Rosie had a doubt because we have a cat. But, uh, no, yeah.
3: <laughs> but the souls and then the.
4: The the the, so, the, the main uh, question was um, is, is there differentiation of, as uh, between the soul and the akl in animals? Yes, you know, like you mentioned, they, they have you know animation and like life. So, like, are you referring to the, uh, the their intellect, the akel?
0: So, uh, 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 animals seem to have some amount of akal, but I'm cautious against using that word. Um, do they seem to have decision-making power? Yeah. Um, uh, is the the general simple definition of akal of intellect is the knowledge of what is right and wrong and the ability to choose what is right or wrong. That if you do not have akal, then you're not held to account by Allah. So do animals seem to know to choose? Uh some animals do, most might seem to. uh this yeah. is one of the things where the Enlightenment kind of shifted the conversation, where it was the view that humans, the distinction between humans and animals was aqal. uh And then, uh, and then, uh, and I forgot what the Enlightenment did. It basically, I don't know, that we had souls and that animals had, uh, animals did not have souls, but we, we were, oh, here, here, here let me, let me, sorry, I gotta, I'm, too many thoughts going through mine in the enlightenment we were rational animals in the pre-enlightenment we were the animal of the rationals so think of angels as rational think of jinns as having thinking and then we were the animal form of them uh but beyond that uh i don't know uh, same thing hold it as a as a thesis um
4: uh, for consideration whether or not um, your your animal has but 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 in, in Quran Allah has a conversation with the with the bee, right?
0: Uh but let me come back to you in a second. Let me get to the other people first. Uh Dania.
1: Um I was gonna say uh earlier how like subhanAllah, how it's not it doesn't negate it completely, it, it goes in line with what we know like scientifically too, based on like what's just to echo off what Sada was saying with the chromosomes mm-hmm. and how we know that there are different combinations which some are compatible with life and some aren't but they literally do exist if you're XXY or XYY etc. as filter syndrome um,
0: Turner syndrome absolutely
1: 100% or you know those like individuals who um go through different um hormonal fluctuations and you know during puberty they find out i'm actually the opposite gender um mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that leaves room um, for all of these um, discoveries that we've made over the past 50 to 100 years or like actually like wrote about it or um, mm-hmm. understood it a bit more. So I think it's another like fascinating aspects of Love how inclusive the Quran actually is.
0: Sure, uh, totally. And so this ayah, I'd suggest for all you to consider is... Perhaps speaking of men and women still as the default. Right. But yet relate really, to your point, Danny, not excluding the other possibilities. So sorry, Khurum, back to you.
4: Uh sorry. Uh so so yeah, my point was about uh, that uh, animal talk that and regarding mm. their in- intelligence and soul. So so from the point of view that if if, if Allah Allah has interaction uh with every anything. Or every creation which we consider not intelligent, but Allah Taala has, um, like like the bee example in Quran. So maybe maybe it is our perception that we understand the way uh, apply to ourselves intelligence. The way we apply the intelligence to ourselves, we tend to apply in the same fashion to the other beings. Maybe that in that sense we don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly
0: I mean a better example really to what you're saying is we have Suleimanhiissalam speaking to the ants right yeah is yeah. sort of number uh possibly that doesn't necessarily mean they have a soul so a way to explore that is can we find any reference to animals being held to account uh on the day of judgment uh, Nevertheless saying animals does not have a soul does not decrease their value yep yeah. right. The real answer we're gonna find out until we're on the other side. No. But you know, again, we say for this Allah knows best. Any other thoughts, reflections on this first sentence of the first ayah? Okay, inshallah. Uh next time, tomorrow, inshallah, we will get into the second sentence, uh, which gets into more of relationships. And so Gabriel will be very happy, inshallah and a uh, reminder so class is seven days a week for whenever you can all attend inshallah except thursdays no class on thursdays because i have class at the time otherwise we will stop here and yeah i am recording this and and then i'll try to post the details and everything uh kibri says they have their tahara straight so they might enter Jonah quick for following cat fit um yeah yeah, I like you guys. Okay. Subhanakallahumma, bihamdika, nashhadu illa la ilaha illa anta, nastaqfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, bihamdika, nashhadu illa la ilaha illa anta, nastaqfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. bihamdika praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu al-la ilaha illa anta, we bear witness, there is no God but you. Nastaqfiruka, we seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu and we turn to you. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah, and hopefully you found the conversation stimulating, thought-provoking, and satisfying. And after I read the whole point about them having their Tahara straight, I also saw Kibriya's comment that it says it doesn't apply to Canadians. Okay, uh, we will talk inshallah tomorrow. alaikum wa Wassalamu